Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this uh, uh, weekend of celebration for the freedoms that we have. Um, we're, we're glad, Father, that uh, we celebrate Sundays, every Sunday, as a remembrance of the true freedom that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this morning, Father, I thank you for this, the beautiful day and the smiling faces uh, that came out this morning. I pray that we would all uh, embrace an eagerness to learn and um, just trust that your spirit will will teach us. We know that that um, the scripture says that that's his duty and job, and so we call upon that this morning to help us understand more about your word, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, after posting that picture last Sunday during the sermon of Pastor Daryl in his little hunting episode with Bugs Bunny, he didn't fire me, so here I am. <laughs> Let's see here. So we we are picking up where we left off uh, last time in Zechariah, and so just to do a little quick uh, recap, um, I know I didn't supply new uh, timeline chart maps, so if you still have your timeline charts, just look down at the very bottom, and you can see the three minor prophets there at the bottom that we call post-exilic prophets. Um, and we're looking at, at Zechariah. He's the second to the last, which means next week we'll do Malachi, and then the week after that we'll have a conclusion study, which I know you you will find very, very interesting. And um, we're almost there. We're, 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 get, we're getting there. And, uh, and 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 so we're 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 following the the outline. Um, Zechariah was famous enough to get Michelangelo on the job way back when when he was um, was doing it. So let me go to where we left off last uh, two weeks ago, um, and um, we stopped at the end of this. Uh, this page and um, in in brief it's um, uh, it's just about the 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 call upon the people to lay the foundation of the temple um, and of Zerubbabel's faithfulness um, and even the the idea of that plumb line um, the plumb line is is used in construction to make sure you get straight lines and symbolically metaphorically uh it's it's a an image of of god judging obedience versus disobedience and um and although these are old testament uh, principles and images they still hold true uh today uh, and so we, we ended on, on this thought that there were two anointed ones, Zerubbabel, who was the civil leader, and Joshua, 
who was the, the priest. And so the two of them represented the king and the priest. Uh, and then when we look at Messiah, when we see Jesus and what he did on the cross, we see that the two offices are combined and that in him... Um, Israel becomes the light of nations, and he is our priest and king. So this is where we pick it up anew. Again, I looked, and there was a flying scroll. I've got two of them flying across the screen here. But uh, you get the idea. And they're actually defined in terms of their size. Um, and uh, <clears throat> the voice said, about the fourth or fifth line down. This is the curse going forth over the whole land. Everyone who steals will be purged according to the writing on one side, and all who swear will be purged according to the writing on the other side. I will send it, declares the Lord, and it will enter the house of the thief and of the one who swears falsely by my name all night to consume its timber and stone. So even their physical dwelling places will be destroyed. So some of the imagery uh, gets pretty interesting. It's it's very Revelation-like. It's also very like what we see in the book of Daniel. And uh, and so chapter five starts out here, verse five. See now what is going forth. I said, what? He said, the epath, uh, which is a five-gallon basket. This is the their appearance all over the land. A lead cover was lifted up, and this is a woman sitting inside. He said, this is wickedness. And he threw her inside the epath and cast the lead weight on its opening. I looked, and there were two women coming out with wind in their wings like wings of a stork and they lifted up the epap between the earth and the heavens i said to the angel where are they taking the epap he said um, to build a temple for her in the land of shinar which is babylon and when he when it is prepared she will be set there on her own pedestal i'm, I'm more dry than usual today because my doctors put me back on antibiotics as my leg wound and and uh, some deep congestion I still have, so bear with me. Now I don't want to scare anybody, but <clears throat> want to make a couple of comparisons. Um, the idol Ishtar is one of the symbols of Babylon. And you can see the image on the left there. It's a female deity with a torch. And you can see that our own Statue of Liberty is based upon that image. Many will look to the new idols of wickedness established by the world systems. Now, again, we, we look at the Statue of Liberty. I know I've been there twice. I back in the day I actually was able to go all the way up into the torch and um it, it's quite a place to to visit I know what it symbolizes and yet 
when you look at, at the whole scope of history, you can't ignore this connection. Um, and it's important to remind myself, of course, you know, being a disabled veteran and having served overseas in places nobody wants to go and, and um, dealing with the consequences and whatnot. My dad, the same thing, he was a veteran in World War II, um, served over, he was in Pearl Harbor the day before December 7th and he got flown out to Guam because they needed a bunch of airplane repairs. He was a technician on bomb sites and autopilots. So my dad flew out the day before December 7th, 1941. And, and so he was a patriot. He survived that war. I've survived and um, my freedoms in this country are precious to me. And we as citizens of heaven are still called to obey the governing authorities. But we have to look at the reality of it. Our system is not based upon uh, a true theocracy. It's not based upon um, the kingdom of the Messiah. It's based upon the, uh, the whims of men and women. And uh, we, can, we all know that we've come a long way since the days of the founding of our country. I know I, having been an English teacher, I studied in college, I studied Jonathan Edwards, who is the, one of the driving forces of the Great Awakening in American history. Um, back in the, in the um, 1700s. And this country had a great revival. Even people like Benjamin Franklin um, had his life changed because of the influence of that true revival. There's a lot of so-called revivals that are going on today that you see and hear about, and, and most of them aren't really true revivals because our culture hasn't changed even that much. Um, back in the... 70s, the you know the the Jesus movement was supposed to have changed our culture, and it brought a lot of people to the Lord and brought a lot of people into churches, but it didn't change anything. It's it's all been inching toward the precipice, and uh, and and that would be the the biblically correct view. And just one more image, I think you'll find interesting. If you I don't know if you recognize this. But this is the statue on the top of the U.S. Capitol building in Washington, D.C. And it's named the Statue of Freedom. But when it, was, when it was put together, it was based on a Roman goddess, Libertas, itself a recreation of three pagan goddesses, Athena, Isis, <coughs> and the daughter of Babylon. So... <coughs> Our citizenship is in heaven. And the hope of the church is waiting for the second advent of Jesus Christ. And if we're, uh, if we're honest, two things are going to happen to us in our lives. One is we're going to die and we'll go into the presence of the Lord. That's a win. 
or we'll be alive when he comes back and we'll be taken up after those who are dead in Christ rise first. That's a win. So we face win-win. In the meantime, we have to live in a world that hates Christ. And even some of the glorified images that we celebrate, not just in this country, but around the world. Excuse me. I looked, behold, four chariots come in between two mountains of bronze. With the first chariot, and, and the, mountains, the mountains are Zion and uh, the Mount of Olives, and they represent judgment and, um, that comes via the horses of war. Uh, with the first chariot, red horses, the second black, the third white, and the fourth strong dappled horses. I spoke to the angel, what are these? And this is one of the nice things about this, this whole process. Um, Zechariah sees things, and then he goes, what is this? It's like the disciples saying to Jesus when he does a parable, what do you mean? I, we don't get it. And then they get the explanation. And the angel answered, these are the four spirits of heaven going forth after standing before the Lord of all the earth. The black horses are going to the north, the white ones go after them while the dappled ones go to the south. The strong ones were eager to patrol the earth. So he said, go patrol the earth. So they patrolled. Then he cried out to me saying, those going to the north have appeased. That is given rest to my wrath of the north. The Lord said, take an offering from the exiles. And there's three uh, specific persons named there. Go the same day into the house of Josiah, son of Zephaniah. They have arrived from Babylon. Take silver and gold. Make a crown and set it on Joshua. And the image down there at the bottom is an image of that process. And say to him, thus says the Lord, behold, a man whose name is Branch. Now that's kind of a cryptic thing. And it's just simply a reference to my servant, the Branch the Messiah, and it's connected to um, David, of course, and uh, and his lineage, and of course, is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. For he will branch out from where he is. He will build the temple. Yes, he will build it, bear the honor, sit and rule on his throne. So we're talking about the end times. He will be a priest and the council of peace will be between the two offices, priest and king. The crown will be a reminder to, again, those three individuals and another named individual. Those who are far off will come and build the temple. Now, now they're talking about local you know, prophecy. Then you will know that the Lord has sent me to you. It will take place. It will take place. And this is one of our key verses if you completely obey the Lord your God. That's a key to everything. Obedience. In the fourth year of King Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day, ninth month, which is Chislev on the Hebrew calendar. Uh, Bethel had sent 
uh, my mouth wants to say these words. The dryness of my mouth wants to say, check out the names up on the screen, okay? To seek the favor of the Lord, saying to the priests and prophets, shall I weep in the fifth month and abstain as I have many years? Say to the people and priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month, these 70 years, was it for me you fasted? When, when you eat and drink, do you not eat for yourselves and drink for yourselves? Are not these the words the Lord proclaimed by the former prophets? When Jerusalem was inhabited and prosperous and its cities around it, the Negev and the foothills were inhabited. So this calls to their current situation the illumination given by the former prophets and the consistency of the word of God. And uh, down there at the bottom, Luke sixteen twenty nine, the disobedient. Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Uh, so th- this one, the, the image of the three monkeys, you know, see, doing here, then exactly fit, but I thought it was kind of a cool thing to put in there. To Zechariah, the Lord said, dispense true justice. And this is one of our key verses too. And practice kindness and compassion each to his brother. And do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor. Do not devise evil in your hearts against one another. But they refused to pay attention and turned stubborn and stopped their ears from hearing. They made their hearts like flint so as not to hear the law and the words of the Lord by his spirit through the former prophets. The wrath and, and wrath came from the Lord. My grandmother used to tell me about the three monkeys and stuff. It was one of her sort of moral teachings that she passed on. Just as he called and they would not listen, so they called and I would not listen, says the Lord. I scattered them with the wind among the nations. Thus the land is desolated behind them. No one went back and forth. They made the pleasant land desolate. So there was also consequences for the land. The word word of the Lord came saying, I am zealous for Zion with great wrath. I am zealous for her. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then it will be called the city of truth and the mountain of the Lord of hosts will be called the holy mountain. Again, this is the, the, the millennial reign. Old men and old women will again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with his staff because of his age. And the streets will be filled with boys and girls playing. If it is too get difficult for the pe- this people in those days, it will also be too difficult in my sight, declares the Lord. So the response to that is, no, nothing, nothing is too difficult for the Lord. Chapter 8, verse 7, Behold, I am going to save my people from the land of the east and west. I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. We're talking about a remnant group of people. To be my people, I will be their God in, in truth and righteousness. Let your hands be strong, you who are listening to these words of the prophets, those who spoke in the day the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. That's going back to Zechariah's time. So that the temple might be built. 
And I put out this, try to imagine this. And, and this is not anything new in the world. It actually, it happens to, to this day and age to groups of people when they come under, um, under attack and are destroyed. But imagine what it would be like if this country went through stuff like that. I, I just think of the movie Red Dawn. You probably maybe saw that. Before those days, there was uh, no wage for man or animal, nothing to live on. And for him who went out or came in, there was no peace because of, of his enemies. Look at some of the images in the Ukraine right now. And I set men one against another. Whoops. Uh, go back. But, but now I will not treat the remnant of this people as in the former days, declares the Lord. So in, in the end times when Messiah comes, everything's going to be restored. There will be peace for the seed. The vine will yield its fruit. The land its produce. The heavens its due. The remnant of this people will inherit these things. Just as you were a curse among the nations, O Judah and Israel, I will save you that you may become a blessing. So the disobedience that led to destruction will be turned to rescue and restoration and because of the remnant, a blessing to others, other nations. Thus says the Lord, just as I proposed to harm you when your fathers provoked me to wrath, I have not relented. So I have proposed to do good to Jerusalem and Judah. Do not fear. The things you should do, make note. Speak truth to one another. Judge with truth and judgment for peace. Let none of you devise evil in your heart against another and do not love perjury for these are what I hate, declares the Lord. I will bless those who bless you in all the earth. In you all the earth will be blessed. You talk to anybody and you you ask them, have you ever lied? If they're honest, they'll say yes. Have you ever stolen anything? If they're honest, they will say yes. Have you ever coveted some, what someone else had? They, the honest person would say yes. Have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? Yes, we do. Have you ever murdered anyone? Oh, no, no, no. Jesus said if you hate your brother, you've already murdered him. You get where I'm going? Mankind is fallen into a heart of wickedness. And when the restoration comes and the kingdom is restored, this is what will prevail. As believers in the age of the church with the Holy Spirit and, and not the evil nature of our own, which was which laid on the cross and, and Jesus died for 
we, we have his righteousness transferred to us. I talked about that last Sunday. And so we're privileged to stand behind the shield. We're privileged to stand behind the door. We're privileged to be protected. So with all the attacking arrows and temptations and everything else comes in, our Lord can continue to take those upon himself. And so these are things that we should strive to do as well. The word of the Lord came to me saying, the fourth, fifth, seventh, and tenth month, fast will become joy, gladness, and cheerful peace for Judah. Um, I'm going to try to breeze through this this one a little bit. Um, it, it talks about how other peoples will see what's going on in uh, in Jerusalem, and they will they will want to come alongside uh, those people uh, at the bottom. They will grasp the garment of a Jew, saying, "Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you." Um, MacArthur had a good note on these these verses. The Day of Atonement was the only annual fast required by God. But occasional fasts were added by God, like the fall of Jerusalem. And these were for gloomy fasts. But in that day, during the day that Messiah reigns, they will be turned from mournful to celebratory. Zechariah uh, 2.10, Rejoice, O daughter of Zion. I am coming and will dwell in your midst. Now, if on your maps, you'll, you'll see on your maps, if you still have a copy of the map, um, the the width and breadth and depth of the Persian Empire, and uh, and you can see when you go down into that narrowing passage where Israel is. At the top there, you can see the name Hamath or, or Hadrach. That's right there at the top. And you can see in these verses here, it says Hadrach, Damascus, Hamath, Tyre, and Sidon, Ashkelon, Gaza, and Ekron. And Ekron's down at the bottom of where Israel is, at the bottom of the Dead Sea. And, uh, and so that just it shows the march of Alexander the Great's armies and the fear in those that were conquered. So I've pulled the map up here on the screen as well so you can see that. So from north to south, the Bible specifically names those places. A mongrel race will dwell in Ashdod, and I will cut off the Philistines. And I will remove their blood from their mouth and their uh, detestable things from their teeth. Then they will be a remnant for God and be a clan in Judah and Ekron, a Jebusite. Now, I had to look it up. I wasn't sure what a Jebusite was. But you find the answer in Second Samuel 5, 6. And it goes back to 1004 B.C. and David the king. And his men, his men, they went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites who were the inhabitants 
of the land at the time. And they said to David, you will not come in here, for we will ward you off. Nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, the city of David. And so that was the end of the Jebusite. I will camp around my house because of an army, because of him who passes and returns, and no oppressor will pass any more. For as seen with my eyes, rejoice, daughter of Zion, shout in triumph, daughter of Jerusalem, your king is coming. Now that was that was a cry that that lasted at the end of the minor prophets, all the way through New Testament times. Uh, after you know the Israel came under the 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 power of the Roman Empire, they still weren't their own independent nation. And people like Peter and Andrew and James and John, they were people that believed this what this image represents. They were looking for a conquering king. That's because that's what they were taught. But their their priests and rabbis didn't go to the next phrase. It says, your king is coming to you. He is just, endowed with salvation, humble. It doesn't sound like a conquering king, does it? And mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. <coughs> In Matthew 12, 21, 2, Jesus said to his disciples when he entered Jerusalem, Go, you will find a donkey and a colt. Bring them to me. Huge fulfillment of prophecy. This is who they should have been looking for all along. This is who the Jews should still be looking for today. If they were, they would embrace Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. That's still to come. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim. The horse from Jerusalem and the bow of war will be cut off. He will speak peace to the nations. His dominion will be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant, now, this is an important concept, too. I, this is not a, a, the best image in the world, but what you see there is a smoking pot kind of floating and a torch in front of it. And the two of those, those two things are floating next to um, brown objects, which are the cut-in-half carcasses of the sacrifice, the covenant made with Abraham. And, and that's what that's talking about. I have set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, prisoners who have hope. This day, I declare, I will restore double to you. I will bend Judah as my bow. I will fill the bow with Ephraim, and I will stir up your sons, Zion against your sons, Greece, and it will make you like a warrior's sword. So, in the in the with the dark text there, uh, and in the arrow pointing down, this is Genesis fifteen seven. The scripture down at the bottom is Genesis fifteen 
18, 17 and 18, sorry. It came about that a smoking oven and a flaming torch passed between the piece, pieces of the carcasses. So he made a covenant with Abraham and said, I give this land to your descendants. So that was the foundation of the promise of the promised land. The Lord will appear, and I've inserted in there the word Messiah, and his arrow will go like lightning, and the Lord God will blow the trumpet and march in the winds of the south. He will defend them, and they will devour and trample on the sling stones, and they will drink and be boisterous as with wine. They will be filled like the sacrificial basin, drenched like the corners of the altar. Notice the imagery of the, the temple here. And the Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they as the stones of a crown sparkling in his land, for what comeliness and beauty will be theirs. Grain will make the young men flourish and new wine the virgins. So uh, along with um, with all these other images, you have the the bountiful crops and the you know the grain and, and the grape and what that represents. Um, this uh, passage here uh, mentions the teraphim. Uh, they were idols, so-called givers of prosperity. Um, they, and it says the teraphim speak iniquity and the diviners see visions and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. Thus the people wander like sheep. So one of the consequences of false teaching is the flock wanders. And, and this, is, this is true. It's why Timothy is told to uh, preach the word in season and out of season. It's why he's told that, that sound doctrine is important. Um, and you cannot, you cannot cut short on those important things. Um, they are afflicted because there is no shepherd. My anger is kindled against the shepherds, it says, and it, it should be translated false shepherds. Uh, and then it talks about punishing the, 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 the goats and the flock. Uh, from them will come the cornerstone, again, in reference to the Messiah. And uh, And that image at the bottom right is the image of just one sheep of a flock without a real shepherd and then you can see the lion in the background threatening to devour um, <clears throat> chapter 10 this is about uh, the Lord strengthening uh, the house of Judah and Ephraim uh, talks about the scattering that takes place. And then in verse 10, it talks about bringing them from the land of Egypt and Assyria and bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon until no room can be found for them. They will be purged. And ultimately, at the bottom it says, and in his name they will walk, declares the Lord. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Everybody's, you know, seen the the footprints in the sand, you know, two people walking side by side. And then there's one set of 
footprints and then later on there's two sets. Well, we're in the second set of footprints. You know, the the reference or the, the idea is that the Lord was carrying you through those difficult times. I don't want to see a show of hands because we might create a whirlwind in here whenever everybody puts up their hands. How many have experienced that? Yeah, okay. Me too. The prophet turns from the glories of the Messiah here, shown in chapters 9 to 10 at his second coming, to the national apostasy in rejecting the Messiah at his first coming. So remember his purpose. And his purpose was to seek and to save the lost. Luke 15, 4, would not a man with 100 sheep not leave the 99 to go after the lost one? Um, that's, that's the ministry of our Messiah. Now, I found this section to be really interesting because it's so gra- uh, descriptive. If you look at the upper right-hand message first, Eastern shepherds often carried two aids to care for the flock. One was called favor, which defined beauty, delight, to comfort and guide, and, and the other union to bind, to pull in. I guess that's because of the, the crook on the end to bring together and to make safe. We can connect this to Psalm 23. For though I walk through the valley of death, I rod and they staff, they comfort me. That's what that's talking about. Favor and union. <clears throat> I want to. I want to make sure that we get through the whole passage here today. Um, so this talks about the word of the Lord. And it also talks about betrayal. Um, and it uses the imagery of 30 shekels of silver. And um, um, at the end there, verse 13, the Lord said to me, throw to the potter that magnificent price at which I was valued by them. So I took 30 shekels and threw them to the potter in the house of the Lord. The the wages paid for a slave um, gored by an ox was 30 shekels of silver, so they were considered to be pretty worthless. We can sort of link this to Matthew 27.3. Judas, who betrayed him, saw he was condemned and returned the silver. Uh, this, this is an image of uh, of the previous passage was that favor was destroyed. In this passage, union was destroyed. And, uh, and it says, for behold, in the red there, I'm going to raise up a shepherd in the land who will not care for the perishing, seek the scattered, heal the broken, or sustain the one standing, but will devour the flesh of the fat sheep and tear out their hoofs. Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. And so we can see the consequences to the flock when the shepherd turns tail and runs, and then you have the um, the wolf devouring the sheep. The burden of the word of the Lord concerning Israel thus declares the Lord who stretches out the heavens. Every time you look up into the sky, 
don't, it doesn't matter what the scientists on this planet tell us that it, it takes billions and billions of years for them to, to be formed and, uh, you know, because of the Big Bang and all of that nonsense. The God that I serve, the awesome God that is the, the God of creation, when he created the, the stars in the heaven, no matter how far away they think that they are from us, even if they are that distant, the Lord created the light to shine on the earth at the time that he created them. So it didn't take the light billions of years to get here. It took the instant that the Lord said, and he saw that it was good after he created it. And then there, in the, and also in that, it says, he lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Psalm 139.4, one of my favorite passages. I give thanks for I am wonderfully made and my soul knows it very well. Yeah, we all, we know it. It's embedded in our hearts. Every person, everyone. Skip down to the bottom here. Um, verse 10, I will pour out on the house of David and the people of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced. Now I want you to notice the reference me there and then compare it with the next passage after it says, and they will weep bitterly and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. So here you have in one verse a reference to God the Father pierced and God the Son being mourned for. So there's no separation. We, we serve one God and he died for us on the cross. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the command there is believe on him. I sometimes just like looking at that image. Trying to think about how painful my own sin was on my Savior. Uh, this has to do with the, jet, the death of Josiah. Talks about mourning in Hadarimon in the plain of Megiddo. And um, uh, the passage there uh, says, Josiah the king disguised himself in order to fight. He did not listen to the words of Necho, king of Egypt, from the mouth of God. I never heard that, that name Necho until I came to Wednesday night, by the way from the mouth of God to stay away but came to fight in the plain of Megiddo and the archers shot King Josiah and he died. And then it talks about families mourning. Um, it talks about um, more of the restoration in the red there. I will cut off the names of the idols from the land and they will no longer be remembered. So we've already seen that image of Ishtar. There is an owl image. There is a coin. 
that shows um, the the um, the different bales, and then of course Moloch, which was the one where babies were sacrificed. This one talks about how the process of restoration takes place, and it compares it to. If you look at the bottom there, purple lettering, uh, refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say they are my people and they will say the Lord is my God. Remember Thomas in the upper room, doubting Thomas? Jesus said to him, touch here and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. When we receive the Holy Spirit and are born again, that's that's the process of refinement that takes place within our souls. Uh, this talks about the Lord's return. That that image is, is um, uh, reference to the day His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Acts one eleven says Jesus, who was taken up, will come in just the same way as you watched him go. Um, I'd like to get more into this, but at the end it talks about their flesh will rot while they stand on their feet and their eyes will rot in their sockets and their tongue will rot in their mouth. Oh boy, I got some really good images that I could have brought into this. But anybody who saw uh, um, Indiana, Indiana Jones movie, the first one, this character here, he did the wrong thing and his face rotted and fell off of his <laughs> you, you can thank me later that I didn't bring that full image <laughs> to the screen this is where uh, present day Zechariah has a tomb and that's that's it there uh, during the, the time of the Messiah um, they will celebrate the, the feast of booths and that comes from Leviticus 23 42 to 43 and um, and there will be celebrations. The bells on the horses' nicks will uh, be inscribed with "Holy to the Lord." And uh, and this is not a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage. This is the true celebration of bountiful provisions. And that brings us to the uh, to the end and the reminder that this is another of those marvelous prophecies that did not come by a man, but by an, an act of the Holy Spirit who spoke from God. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. We give you all the praise and all the glory for your very specific and very clear and very direct prophecy concerning the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the images that we can call up to see his death on the cross and resurrection from the grave as beneficial to all who call upon his name. May may we be vessels uh, to that end to reach people for salvation as we're called to do in Christ's name. Amen.